Hey Neto, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. Hey Neto! Hey Neto! I don't know where the singing starts come from, but this week we're off to El Salvador, and my good friend Neto, uh, of La Lusion, Los Brumas, and Los Andes fame, but it all started back in 2008, where I bought the coffee from his lesser-known farm, and the special relationship began of Alaska. My name is Steve Layton, and I travel the world finding amazing and delicious coffee for you to drink at home. Some make coffee difficult to understand and complicated, but here it's my job to make it easy and fun and tell you what's in my mug. Hello, my old friend El Salvador. Um, we have so many great El Salvador coffees and this one is no different. Um, it comes from Santa Ana, uh, and in particular, the Apaneca Lamamatec mountain range. I love saying Lamamatec because I'm sure I don't even say it anywhere near right. Um, and it's important that this is Santa Ana. So Santa Ana is uh, one of that group of those mountain ranges and probably the most famous volcano. Um, if you think about the Los Brumas that we've had in recent times, this is the other side of that mountain range. Uh, it's around about one and a half kilometers from La Luzon, and it's around about two kilometers from uh, Los Andes, which are both um, Ernesto's farms. It's called Finca Alaska. Um, and as I said, it's owned by uh, Neto Mendenez, um, who recently, like I'm talking four weeks ago, won uh, an outstanding coffee producer award by uh, a, in, in a kind of in-industry coffee website called Sprudge, um, which he was very happy, but also was the producer that Dale used um, as part of these World Barista Championships, the Los Brumas, the other side of the mountain. Um, the altitude on this farm is around about 1,620 metres above sea level. Um, that's pretty much towards the top of Santa Ana. The highest you can really get with coffee um, is around about 1,750. Um, although Ernesto is changing those rules with Los Brumas because he's up to about 1,800 because he's planting on wild forest and somewhere that you really wouldn't think you'd be able to plant coffee. It's a very small farm. It's only 3.15 hectares, so incredibly small. And he plants every single piece of the land with coffee plants. Um, it is a Bourbon, and that makes me very happy because for me, Bourbons and El Salvador go together like jam on toast or uh, poached eggs and smashed avocado. I love being a hipster. Um, and it is uh, a fully washed coffee, um, so traditionally washed and then sun-dried. Uh, sun-dried on the patios on uh, Ernesto's other farm, which is around about 400 metres down the farm, uh, down the mountain of Santa Ana, um, where he does all of his processing. So it seems like a good idea to focus down on the tasting notes of this coffee. Um, and the best way for me to do that, I find, is to look at the cupping bowl because when we cup, it's a little bit more transparent. Um, there's no brew method getting in the way. I'm just literally looking at the coffee. And when I'm building tasting notes to go on the labels, this is how we do it. So all I'm doing is a little bit of coffee on the spoon slurp away. You want to find out how to brew it, go look at the brew guide. We have a fantastic cupping brew guide um, that can take you through this and I encourage you to try and do it at home too. So one of the things I love most about El Salvador is its sweetness and because it's a Bourbon it makes that sweetness a little bit more. Um, think Cadbury's Dairy Milk sweetness. Um, I don't like using the milk chocolate descriptor because it's a little bit easy. Um, you know, a lot of coffees 
edge towards that kind of chocolate um, descriptor. So I'm going to give you a little bit more on the chocolate. And I want you to think, it's a Cadbury's dairy milk, but it's been left in the sun for a little while, and it's gone all a little bit melty and gloopy and kind of covering the mouth. Um, and that's definitely the most dominant descriptor in there. The other thing that we are getting, and it's hidden underneath that milk chocolate, is there some acidity. And I want you to think kind of like, like a, a really sharp lime. Just see it in underneath. And you really look for it, you'll see it. Um, and uh, also the mouthfeel reminds me very much of like um, a red grape. Um, so I think, uh, now we've focused on the coffee, wouldn't it be nice for us to focus on the actual Apaneca mountain range and Santa Ana and find out a little bit more about there. Welcome to Geography Steve and this week we're going to be talking about Santa Ana which is the second largest city in El Salvador. Located 64 kilometres northwest of the capital San Salvador, Santa Ana has approximately 275,000 inhabitants and serves both as the capital of the department of Santa Ana and the municipal seat for the surrounding, uh, surrounding area. Um, for the administration of the municipality, it's divided into 35 uh, colonas and 318 small villages. It's a major processing centre for El Salvador's sizeable coffee industry um, and um, it is the uh, second city of importance in El Salvador. Um, it's become a super popular tourist destination as well, um, especially with tourists eager to learn about Salvadorian culture and traditions, which the capital kind of lacks a little bit. Um, the city of Santrano is located around about 60, 665 metres above sea level. Um, and is warm pretty much all year round, with an average temperature of 25 degrees C, for the Americans out there, 77 Fahrenheit. Uh, there's a major river that runs through called the Gajabo, Gajayo River, um, and uh, is a tributary to the much larger Lempa River. Um, there's a major hydroelectricity power station at the Guara River, and that provides electricity to most of the western sector of the entirety of Salvador. Um, the city is situated amongst many beautiful green hills, such as the Tacana Hill, uh, Santa Lucia, uh, amongst many others. Uh, and in the southern part of the municipality, the Lapatec Volcano uh, mountain range, um, the highest volcano in the country, which had a, a fairly biggish eruption back in 2005, uh, killing a couple of people and damaging many of the coffee farms around it. Um, another volcano that's close is the Izalco, uh, which is known which was known to sailors amongst the mid-19th century, early 20th century, as the lighthouse of the Pacific. Um, that was because it was constantly glowing up with big eruptions. So, espresso and cappuccino time. I'm not doing the brewed coffee because we've already uh, focused on those tasting notes there in the cupping. But let's go into this. Now, Bourbon and El Salvador, as I said earlier, are perfect espressos because they're very chocolatey, and this is very chocolatey. That dairy milk that we tasted is so dominant that everything else kind of goes by the way. Yes, you get a little bit of that red grape in there, but really it's like melted dairy milk chocolate. It's um, thick and gloopy and like covers the tongue. It's really good. Into the cap. And that just makes the chocolate more, 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 <laughs> more, more. It's like, it's huge. It's like milk chocolate. It's very little else. You're getting very little else come through, but coffee and milk chocolate. And that's delicious. Like, who doesn't like that in a cappuccino? Maybe people that don't like chocolate.
And if you don't like chocolate, you're a bit weird. Put in the comments below if you like if you don't like chocolate, so I can mock you. Um, but as an espresso, fantastic. As a cappuccino, even better. Um, I'm going to say that that is a better drink than that one, which just recently I've been enjoying all of the methods, but the cappuccino for me is far better. Right, stop rambling, Steve. Shut up. Let the people go about their daily business. Thank you for watching, and do remember, life is too short for bad coffee. Probably resigned. <laughs>